0: looking, continuing at our series on work, Slave to the Machine, bringing gospel hope to work. And I've been thinking as we've thought about work uh, this week, about you lot, as I probably should as a, a pastor, and just thinking through how our work stories are so, our work experiences are so different, aren't they? Some, some of you got great careers advice when you're about 16, And you've been on this pathway ever since that moment of fulfillment. Others of you, others of you have got terrible bosses, probably. Others of you have have struggled your way through work. Some of you think a stressful day, like me, is when the sermon won't come together. Other people scoff at that notion and say a stressful day is when my back is sore and my hands are calloused. Work is different for all of us, isn't it? and you probably you're probably thinking because that's the reality of your life you're thinking because it's so consuming because it's such a big factor in my everyday why why have they not given me something more to chew on in the first two weeks why have they not given me a, why have they not given me a, some proverbial wisdom to make me more productive or why have they not given me some psalm to take the stress away? Or why is there not some building on some principles? Why have, we been, why have we been looking at page one of the Bible for the first two weeks? There's been a lot of, you know, why have we been, why have we been talking about how God made all that stuff? Why have we been talking about, there's a lot of talk about nakedness last week. There was, that word came up a lot in the sermon. There was a lot of talk about fig leaves, and there's been a lot of talk about the snake. Why was there all that? Why was there all that chat? And you're probably saying to yourself, ash, you've got no idea, my working environment, there's It's not just like this swearing and this shouting, but there's sexism, there's racism, there's just hatred. I get bullied at work. I get undervalued at work. Give me something to help me cope with that. To get the most out of your working life. And this is kind of where we've started off in the first two weeks. You've got to understand your faith, your work, rather, in light of the big gospel story. You've got to to see it in that context. You've got to see it right from the beginning and right from the end. Otherwise, you're going to make, you're going to get it wrong. There's a guy called um, Alistair McIntyre. He's a philosopher, and he writes a, a story to emphasize this point. I think it's a funny story. If you tell it right, it's a funny story, isn't it? So there's a man runs up to you in the street and he shouts, The name for duck is Histrionicus, Histrionicus, Histrionicus. Just can you imagine that guy running up to you in the street? A kind of thing that happens in Cass, a bit less in Ponty, but it happens in Cass. Just man runs up to you, cold light of day. And even though you've comprehended his sentence, you've, under, you've, no, you've not comprehended it, you've heard his sentence, the words have gone in. You can't compute that information without understanding the broader context of the story, there's a couple of possibilities. This could be a really sad story. This guy is mentally ill. This guy's going through some serious issues. Or this guy's misplaced you for another person. You, somebody who looked very much like you the other day, walking through town and asked what the name for a duck was, and he can't believe his luck he's looked because he's seen a guy, and he thinks, I'm going to run out and grab him. The third option is that is a spy and you're bumped into a spy. Now, it's crucial because it'd be really cruel, wouldn't it, if you rang up the coppers and you, 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 know, you chased after this guy because you thought he was a spy and it turns out this guy's, you know, just got some identity issues or some mentally ill problems. And it's the same with our work. We've, we've got to see it in the big, broader context of the history of salvation. So, last week... Remember, this was the Dolly Parton song, Paul nearly burst into a song, thought about it for a second, working nine to five, work's gone bad. It, it feels like we're abused and there was that whole story of the lies of the snake that sort of sent it that way. Cursed is the ground, Genesis 3, 17, 18, if you want to chase it up later. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. It will provide thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the fields by the sweat of your brow. That's, that's kind of how, how it feels now, work. Feels hard, feels tough, feels like the man's got it in for us a little bit. But it was never intended to be that experience. Week one, we read about how God's intention for work before the fall was that our workaday life should be good a brilliant thing. Be fruitful, it says Genesis 1:26 to 28. And I'll summarize it for you. Be fruitful, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the animals. This is what he's saying to us: order the order the forests, grab the fish out of the sea, lap up the perfect climate. You know, share it all around. Look after people. Take the wonderful thing, this masterpiece that I have created, take that. And there's this idea with, with creation and with work in creation that we have to take that as our work and make this thing sing. Be the chi- that's work. You can you're, you're thinking that's not how it feels. That is how God intended work to be. I've been trying to think how I could get you to sort of grasp why that would why that would be. Because essentially, when you look at it, God's just saying to the people, "Do some gardening. You know, get your hands dirty." That sounds like it's quite hard, doesn't it? Here's my best effort with an illustration. I I love Christmas. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm a total lose lose my mind come December. Jim Reeves, if you know him, Christmas carols on the whole time. I just go so soft about Christmas, and I love Christmas, and I want I want my kids to get to where I'm at because I've seen how amazing it is. So do you know what? Do you know what I do with my kids? I think I just let them. I think I'm hopeful they've all gone out. think I just let them kick back and enjoy it and rock up on Christmas Day and open the presents up. I don't. I want them to get it. So I put them to work. We go out. Yeah, that's what I do. I put them to work. First week in December, we go off and get a tree, and I send them out, and I say, you find, we go go one junction down the M62, this farmer's field, it's all full of Christmas trees. I, I say, you go and pick the tree. That's grand. Go and pick it yourself. Then get the saw out, and it's lethal. You know, we'll cut this tree down. We'll drag it home. Then we'll go up into the loft and get the Christmas decorations out. The loft's hard work. It's hard work getting up into the loft, faffing around, getting all that. How annoying is it getting the lights back out at Christmas when they don't work? It's hard work. And we spend all night, in fact, we spend a couple of nights doing it, driving each other mad. It's hard work. But at the end of it, they've, they've grasped it. I've, I've shared it as their father, as God is our father. I've shared it with them, and they've worked really hard, and they look back, and they, they've experienced it, and they've got it. Work is like that in God's creation. God's made this incredible thing, the earth, and the people on it, and the seas on it. And our working of it is to share in that amazing creation. That's the idea. That is the plan. It doesn't feel anything like it, but that is the plan with creation. This, this changes things for us, knowing Knowing that that's the plan, knowing that that even though it feels bad, it's actually good and it's got good ends, it changes things. We become, and this word's come up a few weeks in a row, and I just want to spend a second just padding it out. We change from just being workers with calloused hands and grumpy minds and money agendas to being redeemers. We join that storyline. We become redeemers. Now, I've tried to define it. And it's my own simplistic definition, but I hope it's a helpful one. And if you want to critique it, grab me. I'll be at the door afterwards. A redeemer of works, which is what you are if you know the whole story of God's creation, you know what he's doing at work, is somebody who points towards God's work at the start of the story and at the end of the story more than, more than they point, point to their own story when they do their day's work when they're grafting away whatever it is that they're doing or they're thinking away or they're creating away they point more towards God and his story at the start and at the end than to their own things. It's a great thing, creation and we're part of it. One of the things we do though even though we are redeemers I think that we do this and it's quite a human trait we separate off. God's created work We're part of this creation and we separate off the physical act of working. In fact, we separate everything off, actually, when I think about it. We split up, we compartmentalize a lot of our lives, don't we? We've got our social life, we've got the people we see socially, we've got our work life, we've got our home life, we've probably even got our church life. We split it all up. And we think the actual physical thing that we do, sometimes as Christians, we do that so we've got enough money or time to do the spiritual stuff later. We just go and put a shift in, and that's that thing. That's that thing that we do. And maybe we might redeem it a little bit by thinking, oh, if, I just, if I let somebody see that I've got a Bible, perhaps, or if I just share a verse with somebody, or if I witness to somebody. The creation story reminds us that work, the physical act of work, exists to bring glory to God in and of itself. Martin Luther, who had a lot to say about this kind of thing, says this, In order to be holy, it's not necessary to become a monk or a nun or to be continuously doing religious activities. You might be really pleased to hear that. (laughs) Rather, in one's own ordinary job and family life, one can live a life that is fully pleasing to God. In this faith, works become equal and one is like another, and all distinctions between works fall away, whether they are great or small, brief or lengthy, many or few. For works are not pleasing to God on their own account, but on account of their faith. So here's, let me condense what he's saying. You can have the spiritual high that comes with living the life monastic lifestyle for 50 years, staying in the monastery, reading and praying, you can have that same spiritual high if you're a low-paid extra hand on the farm, just grafting away for 50 years, if your heart on the farm is aligned with your creator, God. It's an incredible thing that he's saying. So if, if you're a nurse, if there's any nurses in the church tonight, if you're a nurse, you work for the NHS, you You work in the buildings of the NHS. You fall under the umbrella and the structure of the NHS. You wear the uniform of the NHS. But above all of that, you are a created human living out their creation story who looks at another human being compassionately because they know the creation story and offers them care, so that they might look at the creation story and see it for themselves. If you're a, you work in, a, in high finance, let's say you get paid a big salary, you pop down to London or you pop into Leeds. If you, if you do that, you're, you're amongst the richest couple of percent of people in the whole world. Your peers are all fat cats, your eyes are trained on the footsie and making profit and all that sort of thing, but above, above that, you're a created human. To whom God allotted huge responsibility. God gifted you huge responsibility, all this money that sits in your hands for you to make decisions for what to do with it. Let's say you're a window cleaner from Cass and your whole mindset is just getting through the day and trying to cut a profit from six quid a house. You are somebody who prepares the lens through which households observe God's wonderful creation by looking out of their windows. Maybe you're a a parent of a young child, and you're starting to think this whole world has passed you by. Everything that's important is moving on so fast, you're just knee-deep in nappies. You are a created human, part of this creation story, assigned with the momentous task of forming life and shaping life. Not only should physical work and spiritual work not be separated, our physical capabilities should be maximized for the good of creation. Let's have a look at a text um, that helps us pad that out. So it's in Isaiah 23. It's moving on. This, This wonderful thing that God's made and us in it, he's made us to shape it, to share it, to maximize it the resources under the ground the resources in our brains the perfect climate where food just pops out he's made us to cultivate and care for this Isaiah 28, 23 says this and I don't know if you've come across this before, listen and hear my voice pay attention and hear what I say when a farmer plows for planting he, does he plow continually does he keep on breaking up and work in the soil when he has leveled the surface does he not sow now i don't know if sometimes when the i'm just thinking sometimes when that text comes, i don't know you maybe you've got a lot going on in your life you've had a you've had a busy day there's a lot it's a narrative that's unfamiliar just just peer into this text just soak it all up when he has leveled the surface trying to try and figure out what it's trying to say when he has leveled the surface does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Caraway is not threshed with a sledge, nor is a cartwheel rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing it forever the wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it but one does not use the horses to grind grain all this also comes from the lord almighty whose plan is wonderful and his wisdom is mag- magnificent what does that say It says don't don't look don't look at the ground and just beat it to death with your plow i've not I've not made you that way. Don't be an idiot. Don't think that if you just bash the ground, farmers farmers don't do that. They don't just bash the ground forever. They think about it. They're creative with it. They look down at the ground and they plow it and then they grab the appropriate crops. They don't just grab their hands full of a bunch of seeds and just chuck it out there. They say, I want this cumin to grow, I want this caraway to grow. I'm going to put it in the right place and I'm going to put spelt as far as I can figure out, it's like a border plant. It's saying, you think about this. And then you don't just grab it and pull it out of the ground expecting to eat it straight away. No, God says, I've not made you like this. That's not how you function, is it? You don't just drag a big wheel across it and expect bread to be produced. No, you've, you've been creative with this. You've dealt with this product in the right way so you can tuck into a nice sweet naan with a bit of cumin or whatever on it that's the way i've made you i've made you to be creative he says all of this this creativity this engineering this thinking this working with creation all this comes from me you ever thought about that human endeavor human progress technology all that kind of thing this all comes from God as part of the icing on his cake, part of the masterstroke of his masterpiece. All this creativity, endeavor, and energy is from God. The problem, therefore, is as creative human beings, as people who have, Christians who have seen the whole story, who are redeemers, is that we need to be really careful with that responsibility. There is the temptation for humanity, and this is what happens, to do good or ill with this creative, nourishing spirit that God has given them. When the people of God were on the edge of the promised land, Moses gave a couple of sermons, and he gave one at the end, and he got them to really think about the way that they were going to live in that land and they were going to work in that land. Listen in at what he says. I'm sorry, the text not up on the screen. This is Deuteronomy 30:15. If you listen back later, I want to read back later. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. I command you today to love the Lord your God and keep his commands. and you will have, And you will live and increase. And God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart is drawn away to bow down to other gods... I declare to you this day you'll be destroyed. See, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live. This is what our God says to us. With this creative spirit that I give you at creation, this capacity to make stuff out of nothing, this capacity to look at the land and make sense of it and get blessing from it, could be used for great good, or great ill. This is the nature of work. There is a film coming out um, next week. And I would advocate you seeing it. Um, it's called uh, The Current Wars. It's got a great cast. And I don't want to do that thing where I do, that, do the spoiler. But if you know the story of electricity, maybe you'll, you'll, you've already got a spoiler already. Um, it's the story of George Westinghouse, Nicola Telsa, and Thomas... Edison. You're familiar with these names? I don't know which one of those that's going to be. I think that's going to be Westinghouse uh, when the film comes out. It's the story of electricity. The awesome, brilliant story of electricity. And and these, I think you you look at human history and there's different times. I think, I'm sure we're all thinking and working hard and being creative all the time, but there looks to be some points in human history where we're just on fire. Often it's caused by wars and and greed and all that sort of thing. But these, these gents and the people, the minions working under them, were doing incredible things and they generated electricity. Now, I'm not going to do the whole spoiler thing, but there were two main ways they'd made electricity, alternating current and direct current. And they were both and these two guys about which of these two was the best. To the extent that Edison made the first electric chair, out of Westinghouse's alternating current process to prove how dangerous it was. It got to be a right, horrible, filthy, power-driven wrestling match. This story that is a, and we all benefit from electricity, it's this beautiful high moment in the creative history of mankind. This incredible thing, electricity. When you watch the film, it's gonna be a story about money, and ego, and pride, and power, and all the rest of it. These brilliant men tell a great story of electricity, but also tell a corrupting story as well. There's another story, another film come out. It's, it's about a year old. It tells It tells another story. The story, the film is called "The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind." I don't know if anybody's seen this film. I advocate. I'll advocate them both to you. They're both great stories of human creativity. In fact. This story has all of the same elements as the current war. All of the same elements. It's about human creativity. All all of the components that they're looking through are all the same components. It's about electrodes and transformers and dynamos and all the rest of it. In this story, this boy here is called William Kamkwanda. perhaps be as familiar with his name. His, he lives in Malawi with his family and they're all farmers. And they, you know, they grow their crop out in the fields and all the rest of it. There's a big forest right next to their village. The government come along and they say, we're going to sell all that wood. We're going to sell all that wood and make a profit. That's what we're going to do. And because they sell all the wood and make a profit, this family's patch becomes really vulnerable to flooding, becomes really susceptible to flooding, and they can't get a crop on it. And after the government come and take away the forest and everything floods, they get drought, and they're just living in desperate circumstances. And this, this little guy, I think he's about 15, keeps nicking into school, keeps repairing old radios. He's a bit of a whiz. He creates out of an old dynamo that he finds, and his dad's back bicycle wheel, and an old water pump, he creates a way to irrigate the soil. Against all the odds, this little village that was desperate and was dying, and people were leaving in droves, gain a crop, gain a life. Now I don't want to just set these two stories against each other. I don't want to set Edison against Gokomba and say, this guy's bad, and this guy's good. But I want us to be aware of our capacity as human beings, given, given this wonderful planet and given creative spirit to use it for the good of creation. God's word says to us, all of this, hang on those verses, all of this stuff comes from God. All of this human resource comes from God. Think about the times when we've made, we made dynamite and we put it to good use. Think about the times when we created the internet or the cloud, whatever, whatever that is, and we put it to good use, and then it gets corrupted. God says all of this resource, all of this capacity, all of these capabilities that you human beings have, when you go to work and do your daily shift, when you engage your brain, or you use products that somebody else has engaged their brain with, all of this comes from God. Do something good with it. And maybe you're thinking, I've not had, I'm trying to think about my, my daily work, I've not had any of the highs that this Kim Kumba lad had where he saved the whole village. My, my working life is tough. It's, it's tough, that, isn't it? Work, working away. I'm trying to think of the, the nurse that we talked about earlier turn around to me giving this little speech and say, here's the thing, I hear what you're saying, I'm halfway inspired to try my best, but the thing is I've been, I've kind of been doing that for 20 years and I'm still overlooked and I'm still underpaid and I still watch people die under my nose. Or the city worker I talked to you about earlier on who's involved in high finance, turns around to me and he says, well, I have been, some of those things you're talking about, I've been doing all of those things. I have, I've been a fairly good guy. I've been really responsible. All that's happened is that I've been overlooked and underpaid and a bit, a bit bullied at work. Maybe you're that, you're that parent who's just exhausted with what it means to be alone with a child. See what the work of redemption does for those jobs. See what Jesus' work on the cross changes about those jobs. You're that nurse who feels overlooked, It feels like it doesn't matter how hard they graft, they're never going to get to a place where it all fits, where it all sits nicely. You can't save everybody. They're always going to be a little bit overlooked. Jesus, through the cross, and God through his word, tells us there's a time coming because of that cross where every tear is going to be wiped away. Every tear. That work that you're doing, that you're grafting away at, will find fulfillment in Christ. It's not for nothing. The city worker, who's trying to be a good guy or girl, and he's, he's been just, given his everything, 20 years at the city, he's actually been responsible. It's not gotten him anywhere. Because of Christ's work, you need to know that one day, The righteous will inherit the whole earth because of what Jesus has done. The window cleaner, who's been faithful, just charging six quid and being honorable, cleaning the window so that people can see God's creation, needs to know that one day everybody's going to be staring at the good of God's creation. If you hold on to the truth of this story, there's a work to be done. Monday morning is gonna come round really fast and the possibilities for your working week, if you do it in God's strength, if you do it in light of the creation story, are endless ones.